Welcome back to another episode of the Pit Stop Podcast presented by the Ordinary Podcasting Network. I am Braden. I am here with Jordan and I am, I am also here with Tyler. <laughs> we have much F1 drama to get into this week, but before that, an exciting Singapore Grand Prix to talk about uh, a rain delay which started the, the race, which is always fun. You got to wait until we actually get to racing and it dries up. Uh, and then they did. And we saw Perez. Sergio Perez, the other Red Bull uh, driver, finishing in P1. The Ferrari teammates, Leclerc and Sainz, rounding out in P2 and 3, respectively. But let's start at qualifying, gentlemen, and Red Bull's fuel gamble. Jordan, what the hell happened here? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, we knew going in that we were going to get some weather. Singapore is a very fun circuit uh, under great conditions, and it's an even more challenging circuit under wet conditions. We talked about it last week, Tyler and I, about how... This is one of those uh, kind of like modern classics. I think it's only been here since like 2008. So certainly the modern era, uh, it has become a very iconic race because it's beautiful under the lights in the city of Singapore. Uh, you add the rain. It's a very tight you know, street circuit. It's tricky and qualifying uh, had lots of twists and turns because again, you were dealing with the intermediate tires. We were dealing with teams having to figure out how to get them up to temperature and drivers battling difficult conditions, you know, parts of this track because of how big it is. It's the longest track in the formula one season. Um, parts of this track dry up quicker than others. So you're going to have different conditions, um, of, you know, with, with, with the tire, uh, at different points in the track. And we saw that we saw, uh, for example, Verstappen struggling during parts of, uh, P or quality one and two at, at certain sections where it was like, he would have purple sectors through, you know, sectors one and two, he'd get to like the last couple corners and he'd really have to step off. And he wasn't quite, it just didn't feel like he was ever comfortable. Some drivers on the other hand, always seem comfortable on wets or intermediate stroll is one of them. Uh, and he obviously had a great weekend, but it's the weather really obviously is it's helpful to a guy like that. Um, but we also saw Lewis Hamilton, just like a rocket ship in in qualifying really showing that this Mercedes car has come a long way. Uh, it's not there yet, but it's come a long way. And he, he, I think had a, an opportunity to put it on pole. Alonzo had an opportunity to put on pole. And then obviously the Ferrari still have the best car there, but it looked like we were going to see Max Verstappen, still, you know, slap in the best, the best lap. And then all of a sudden they had to abort at the very last minute. Um, and it was surprising in the moment because I think people expected, you know, he was about to take pole and everything was looking kind of perfect for him. He was the last guy out there. He'd gotten across the line just in time. And, and then they, they yelled over the radio abort abort. He dove into the pits at the end of it. And obviously he was irate and very, very uh, angry on the radio. We heard that. He's uh, always and it, angry. But it came out that they were concerned about uh, being able to supply the one liter of fuel necessary for the scrutiny that that happens at Park Ferme. And if you recall, I believe last year or even the year before, uh, Vettel was denied an opportunity, I think, to be on a podium because he was unable to provide the fuel sample at sure. the end of the race. Uh, okay. And that's a different story because yeah. obviously, you know, you're racing. Anyway, go ahead, Tyler. Yeah. Okay. That's because what's the penalty if after qualifying they can't provide one liter of fuel? Is oh, it yeah. worse than just doing it? Because he had to give up pole and go to seventh. So if well, seventh if was just finished a lot better than then, finishing starting last, as Russell is that what attest, the penalty is though? You would have gone to the back of the grid. Really? 
I believe so. No, I believe they would have disqualified him from qualifying altogether. It's a quite serious penalty because the issue is they don't want teams like running on as little fuel as they possibly can. It's it's a competitive advantage. Obviously, they're lighter, but they have to be able to preview the sample because also I think it's less a factor nowadays because the fuel is so regulated. But there was periods of time when like teams were doing all kinds of things to their fuel to ensure that they were getting the most out of the car. And so the, it's a pretty like strict rule. Uh, it isn't enforced very often, but when it is enforced, it's, it's pretty, I, in fact, I'm not even sure that Verstappen wasn't disqualified from that. Like the result, I think he lost his points too, for that result at the end of that race. Like it was pretty, it was a pretty big thing. I'm not how an expert. Get to this, how does it get to this situation though? They, like well, they, they do this week in and week out. How are they missing one? Yeah. Well, they're pushing, fuel? they're pushing to the max. They're trying to get as many um, laps in with as little fuel as they can. If you recall, Max actually aborted an earlier uh, qual, like a, like another flying lap earlier, just because he hit some water and didn't quite get the car to, 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 to take an apex properly. So he was kind of bent out of shape and it was a lap that wasn't clearly going to be good enough. So he had to go for, I think another one beyond what their original plan was. Um, that's at least the response. I think uh, they pushed it right to the limit and that's what you'd expect all of them to. I wouldn't be surprised if there were a couple other teams there that were biting their nails too. And I'm sure there's a guy who's dedicated on the pit wall during qualifying to be watching that gauge and make sure they, they all get in under there. Um, but obviously it was a, big story because it was an unforced error for you know the uh champion elect if you want to call him that like he everything was lined up for him going into this to have a coronation and uh, he only had to win and hope that leclerc had a bad day and it was the kind of race where anything could really happen and unfortunately yeah, I mean, he was on the that, anything the odds of because leclerc would have had to finish like bottom eight in points or something like that and then Verstappen would have had to win plus the fastest slap which wasn't going to happen I think all winning the, and getting the I think all that Leclerc needed that to be just sort of spite. I think Leclerc just had to be seventh or worse. And if you look at how it turned out, Verstappen was seventh. They literally just had to be in the different places to each other, and it would have been a different result. The point being, Max Verstappen and Red Bull have not had these kind of errors all season long. So it was very glaring because they've I'm been just kind of like, flawless. I'm just wondering what I personally would have just ran the lap, see if you get pull, and then just cross your fingers that you don't get that one liter penalty because worst case you go back to the end of the race, which we already know that you does sound, that does sound a little bit like Red Bull strategy where they kind of just go for something, cross their fingers and hope, but we'll get into that a little later. Um, In the words of Crofty though, in order to finish first, uh, first you have to finish. We had six DNFs at this race, including both Alpine and Williams cars. I was convinced Lewis Hamilton was out as well when he crashed into the the wall. Um, how was he not? How was he not given a flag for his front wing? I think they gave him off? a couple laps to to figure it out themselves before they black and orange him. Like I, it was only one, I think maybe one lap around or two max until he Had to he went in. Um, we, everybody heard Verstappen screaming and hollering and screaming and hollering about it. It didn't look like it was falling off though. Like it just looked, yeah, bent. it was, it was, it just flapping. looked bent. It seemed like Verstappen chirping was just him and Red Bull doing their thing where they make everything seem so much worse so that they can get Hamilton out of the way because they know that Hamilton's going to put up a good fight, but he was, it only took yeah. him two laps to go in and then he had it fixed and they're probably just waiting to see what was going to go on. Cause that was right around the same time as the, everyone was trying to see if the slips with Russell were actually going to work. 
So I think that all kind of timed out and hey, stay out there until they black and orange you just so we can see if Russell is able to make these times work on the, on the new slicks. But that all kind of timed out weirdly. I think just that was Red Bull being. Red well, Bull, let's yeah. talk about boy George himself. Russell, what the hell happened to his okay. race? So here's what this will tie back to what we were just talking about. Cause I've just double checked the rules. Cause we have a lot of listeners, I think who are also new to formula one. So it's good to be educational. Verstappen would have had to start the race, not just in the back of the road. He actually would have had to start from the pit lane. So the penalty for that would have been exactly what George Russell ended up doing because George took a new engine. He took a new engine after qualifying, which meant he had to start from the pit lane. And as I say, Verstappen would have had to start from the pit lane had he failed the fuel sample. Also interesting because, again, for those learning the sport along with us, did just double check when uh, the same penalty was applied in the Grand Prix to Vettel. He was disqualified. He didn't even like he, he he it was a straight DQ. So the penalty for doing it in qualifying would be a grid lane or a pit lane start, which is obviously where George was. So George knew going in in a track that traditionally has been very hard to pass. Obviously, we'll talk about some guys who found it much easier to pass. I think because of these new regulations, which is great to see. Uh, it was certainly not as uh, sort of parade like as Monaco or something. Um, but George struggled because he was at the back and he had a lot of places to make up. And obviously it was wet, really wet to start that race. If you watch the beginning of it, the spray coming off those cars, I mean, unless you were Sergio Perez who got out to the first corner and took the lead, everyone else was, I'm sure the visibility was horrific. Um, and obviously, you know, he had some bumps and things. I will say though, like, I think you have to give George Russell some credit considering like seven guys who started ahead of him didn't finish the race. And he still somehow managed to fight through all of that fight through all of the, is that credit? Is that I think so. I think he drove really well (laughs) considering it, including twice having to do like completely, uh, like race ending pit stops. He blew a tire and limped back to the pit lane, still got the car back out there, had a, another incident later in the race, had to do the same kind of thing. Obviously the mistake, well, not the mistake, but the choice, the gamble to go to the slicks, it was a little early for them. And he struggled, lost like I think 25 to 30 seconds just on the first outlap with those tires, trying to get them up to temperature. But, you know, he still found himself in a couple fights for position. He actually moved up the table. I think at one point to like, 11th or 12th um and then obviously you know a lot of guys ahead of him as i say didn't finish so his result looks a lot prettier i think than it probably really was uh but i give him a lot of credit i think he fought hard and i'm sure he was incredibly frustrated that is a position we have not seen george russell in all this year since he was in the williams um and i'm sure there were flashbacks to that he was also a guinea pig for a lot of this race just because he was put out there on slicks just to see if it was going to work and it did not work for the first five to six laps yeah. His times were slower in the sector three um, specifically because that was the wettest part of the track. But I think, I, I don't know. I think he would kind of, everyone gave up on him early. Like the, the whole team just said, it was just get around, just get around and do it. Um, this was, I don't know. I'm torn between, I think the FIA screwed up a lot of things in this race, including the start time. Mm. Because the way the delay they had, which don't even get me started on the fact that they get time down when the race ends, but they can't time down when the race starts. That is the most frustrating thing. Like you saw the time, 25 minutes left in this race, 22 minutes left in this race, but they can't put a, a ticker to start. Let us, I got to go sit there and fast forward the entire time. Well, like, they don't, I don't, they don't know, know why they I do. Take they, the, they, they, they are basically they know. They tell you the local time, but they don't tell you if you're an they international tell you the local viewer. time, which if I'm oh, taping oh, it for, if I'm taping it and putting it on three hours later, I don't fucking know how fast I got to, no, you got to record the whole day for most but, of these races. 
Yeah. And they also, so there's a 40 minute start procedure that the F1 mandates. So they have to give the drivers 40 minutes, be like, okay, we're starting the race at this time. So they know 40 minutes in advance at least. But the way they delayed this completely negated the fact that you could use the blue wet tires. Yeah. They waited so long for the track to dry that it you got rid of the whole this race could have started on wets. Yeah. I'm not I don't sure know why they I'm chose not sure, to do that. I'm not sure we're gonna see the wets in the coming years. I actually think that we're probably one or two years away from them just simply not running races under that wet of condition because we've seen in the last couple of years, there's a real hesitancy to putting these guys out there uh if it's Touch and go, but but also some of the best races we've had all year on the West. For sure. Not only are we not starting on them, but not starting on them. Zero. What race have we had started on the West? Montreal. Montreal. All of all of the qualifying were in West. I think some of the guys. Okay, the qualifying maybe that that that's fair. I think the race conditions were different. I think uh, there were probably a couple of guys who may have started on the wets, but a lot of the guys were also in inters. I think it's kind of they've got to be in that crossover space because we've seen sure, them cancel. That's another I mean, step. That's another. I agree. Step I don't disagree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you that they should. I think that I agree with you that I think the the tire is there. There should be like. I just think there has become an increased abundance of, of caution and safety. And I don't know if that's a necessarily a bad thing. I just think that it's definitely becoming more a trend, um, but it's, it compromises, I guess, what could be a much more dramatic or, or interesting um, element to this, to this whole thing. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you really want it, it much rid of a than whole element. Yeah. It gets rid of a whole element. Yeah. And For, I think that's and, fair. There's no, it's just a question. Of, I get to see. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's people, what a question is about. Yeah. But it, explain it like it, it, no one talks about it. They just kind of ignore it. And then also the DRS, like they didn't have it for most of this race. Yep. And Crafty and everyone was screaming like, hey, we're, we're on slicks. Why are we waiting yeah. for DRS? Why are we waiting for DRS? I think so again, another mistake yeah. by the like FIA. we talked about last week, and, like like we talked about last week or the week before, I guess Monza, we, we, we talked about like, I think we're still living ago. in the shadow of the whole Michael Massey thing where I think there is this over cautiousness <laughs> right now with the race directors. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think they're, the, just the, they're the afraid. The they're just afraid to do anything that could be they, like a little touch and go. They were afraid to make the final call on whether Perez should be at yeah. a, a penalty. If like yeah. that, that's huge. He did it three times. He did not. He left a larger gap of 10 car lengths three times on the safety Yeah. So car. what do you think? Should, should he have been penalties. penalized multiple before. times? As opposed to just the one five-second penalty for the... No, they they considered it a single incident. I just think they have to be consistent because it's happened before, I believe, when yeah, I was just sure. doing some research on them. It's happened before. And what I don't... Under, is Do the drivers have a union? Like the NBA has an NBA PA. The NFL has an NFL PA. That is to monitor the FIA. So who's watching the FIA? Because they've messed up a lot in this well, yesterday. It's, it's, so who's... Yeah. Who's monitoring that? And before every race, they meet, right? They're, yeah, they're there's a committee. There's a driver committee. The... There's a sure. driver's committee, but that's all it is. Right. Yeah. Has it's to not a formal the FIA responsible. Uh, Who's absolutely. holding the FIA responsible absolutely. for these yeah. decisions not yeah. being Soon it'll be Netflix. Consistent. <laughs> the challenge, too, is like, it's, you know, you're creating precedents. The, lots of these things are so subjective and how they're coming up that finding consistency is always just a little bit different every time. And so the more that precedence is created, the more we start to see, okay, that's how that's going to work. And we're going to try to avoid that. But then you see cars changing. You see the way drivers are driving. There's, there's always a little bit of difference here. So I think, I think it's hard to find 
you know, we, the gaps between the wiggle room or the gray, the gray area. And hopefully we get to a place with these new directors where, you know, there is consistency for uh, years. To yeah. Come. There has to be a solve to it. Cause it's just, it's frustrating to have to wait to the next day to find out if the winner is the winner. Of course. Yeah. That's the yeah. worst part is you have to yeah. go to bed. Like I watched it last night at 10 30 because I watched football all day. And then I watched the F1 race and I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll wake up and see if he still won the race. Cause I Googled it and I don't think they decided until like one. F- oh, they decided like two hours after. So I knew before, but yeah. it shouldn't have to happen. That they keep, way. They keep it shouldn't have back. to happen. They want way. you to, they want you no. to sweat. Yeah, I agree with you, Tyler. It's not <laughs> it's, unlike what, it's not like what, <laughs> unlike what we talked about a couple of weeks ago when, where there were all those like grid penalties on the same race. And we were kind of like, this is dumb. We finished qualifying, which is kind of meant to be its own day's event. And yet at the end of it, we don't actually know the result. We don't know what the grid for the next day is because there's so many complicated computations that have to go into all these grid penalties. And it just, it definitely dilutes the product. And moreover, it like, it hurts the television product because you want to be able at the end of a sporting event or like uh, you know a, a leg of a sporting event to kind of know where you stand and when you've got all of these really you know as i say kind of comp like complicated mathematics necessary to figure it out this is more simple this is like you are or aren't applying a penalty uh, yeah. and that's frustrating to happen after the case obviously i mean we're going to talk more about that later but it's definitely uh, a tricky situation i just don't get how it's a it's in the books there's there's previous times where this has happened just a little bit differently just a little different and then it's like oh no we're just gonna wait and see we're just gonna wait and see i just don't get it and it the whole situation like the whole situation of not starting on time not opening drs and then not applying penalties those are three strikes are you gonna stop watching after these three strikes no no that's (laughs) that's the thing (laughs) but let's talk about perez let's talk about the the winner of this race uh he you, you guys mentioned just before he took a five-second penalty near the end of the race there. Um, this was a bit of a dogfight, except they never really switched positions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Perez and Leclerc at the end of there, at the end there of the race. A lot of, P1, P2, definitely Jordan. a lot of teasing from Charles. Like he definitely pushed and pushed. And there were a couple laps there where he was, he was even when DRS was in effect later in the race, like he was right there. And then he just had a couple bad laps and the whole thing kind of fell apart. And there was never really an opportunity to be honest with you. It's funny because like these two guys were so far ahead. Like they took just completely took off. I believe by the end of it, they were, they, they finished a full 10 seconds ahead of signs who was on the podium with them. Uh, but they were like, you know, after multiple safety cars, every time the safety car would end, they'd still take off. Like it, nobody could stay with them. And yet the two of them really were with each other, you know, um, uh, the whole race, which was, which was, kind of like as i say there was like all of this teasing could this happen will when will charles finally figure it out or get the opportunity and the truth is perez just ran a phenomenal race right starting in behind in second and and, and or third i think or second or third and took over right off the first corner he he just had a yeah. great start second. um got the inside line took it and then never looked back and we've seen perez win now before obviously his first win was so dramatic having dropped all the way to the back and coming back and winning and uh back in baku but to, he's won a couple times now as a Red Bull driver, but this was kind of a really signature race as far as sort of saying, you know, this is how the Red Bull car looks when Verstappen drives it. Perez was equal to that today or, uh, you know, for that race. And, um, and I, I, w- I was impressed. I thought he did a great job defending. I thought he did a really good job managing his tires and, and the conditions. And considering we saw two world champions 
end up almost in the wall or having incidents. I mean, Verstappen had to do a little pirouette to get back out of the runoff. Like Perez and Leclerc were kind of flawless and, and uh, it showed. Well, I don't, let's not sure flawless or scared because <laughs> Maybe. two things, because this was a night race, it was so much harder to see where the dry spots are. Mm. Yeah. So it stopped guys from wanting to take those risks. Now, for stopping for Stappen, when he went off the track, it's because he went off the only line to try to get past him. He was aggressive and he wanted that place. So, and then you saw it again with Lewis when he had Verstappen behind him. He's he knew Verstappen at some point with how aggressive he was was going to try to get past him and Vettel. So Lewis tried to do it first, getting past Vettel, went off the dry line, didn't work out so well. I think what happened with Leclerc Perez is Leclerc was just too afraid to to get off that line and said, Hey, I'd rather be second place because Lewis had nothing to lose by trying to get past him for Stappen's always going to try to pass everybody. He's the most aggressive per- driver. on. He doesn't know track. what it's like to be yeah. anywhere other than P1. Yeah. So it's Lewis had nothing to lose because he knew that for Stappen was going to pass and he was going to lose that spot anyways. So he said, I might as well try to get by battle. Worst case scenario. I, I bail on the pass and Verstappen goes past me, which he's going to do anyways. If, Leclerc was that aggressive he could have went more like into the wall or had a worse race where he's not on the podium anymore and he's, he's like fifth or sixth he had more to lose so I don't think he was planning on being more aggressive because after he tried to get closer and closer you then saw him just back off and just backed off and they almost settled for second place so I think that was kind of what what was the difference was there um I don't know for sure obviously but it felt that way I didn't. I love that Verstappen went off and tried to, to make that pass, and then had to go off do a little pirouette. And I love that Lewis tried to get past him too, past uh, Vettel at the end there, because it's just like that was just because there's a lot of stuff happening doesn't mean it's a super thrilling race. Uh, yeah, I mean he he was because everybody was a little afraid to to do things. He he got two spots within like ten minutes left in the race. Like he he definitely was pushing to to try to get back into those points. And he can see the end in sight. Like he can see the championship. Uh, I mean, barring whatever else is happening here with with the uh, investigations on Red Bull, but it's uh, Verstappen wants to lock this up. Yeah, I don't think he wants to wait any longer on making a. Uh, he should be know, making this happen for him. Those four races left. He just has to like. Finishing. He doesn't know how to do that. He has no was, idea how to do that. There's patience, the more, F1, I, patience. I think they, yeah. I mean, he did want to have Red Bull have a better day, but I think the best day probably went to McLaren. Oh, come on, guys. I've been Everybody. waiting all season well, let's to give talk it to about us, the best race for McLaren. Now it might have come just because of unfortunate races from that, some that of the top matter, dogs. Though. But Norris, P4, Ricardo, an incredible bounce back from a dismal dismal italian grand prix um finishing p5 like this is exactly what mclaren it's just i mean unfortunately come a little too late for this uh but you know they gotta they gotta celebrate where they can and and this is a this is a good this was a great race for for team mclaren yeah we i wouldn't say too late because they're in fourth spot now right for the constructors yeah there you go yeah and that's the biggest that was definitely the biggest thing because you know you want to talk about maximizing opportunities when they're presented to you. You have both Alpines out of this race and McLaren is have, has this golden opportunity to maximize 
that disadvantage to their chief rival and the team and the team that they are fighting for fourth, which is really at this point, like the most exciting kind of fight to see who might actually get there. I think, you know, yes, Mercedes might still catch Ferrari, but we know who the top three are. Four is still really uh, like a dogfight, right? To the, it could be a dogfight, right? To, to Abu Dhabi. And, and it could be really fun to see these two teams go back and forth on it. And as we, as Braden pointed out, um, you know, Ricardo has, we've, we've talked about it on the show. You know, he's, he's struggled throughout this year. Obviously he's lost his seat. Um, he was very gracious earlier this week, it came out that he had called uh, Piastri and sort of said, Hey, I know you're getting a lot of, you know, there's a lot of attention and stress and people are kind of giving you a hard time that you've taken my seat as a fellow Aussie. And I want you to know, I'm not worried about it. You deserve the seat and yeah. wish him all the best. And then he comes out, he drives really, really well. And you know what? It was kind of vintage Ricardo. And what I mean by that is he started 14th on this grid and he finishes fifth. And what people have always said about Ricardo is he's probably of the modern group, one of the most uh, accomplished overtaking drivers. He he loves to find those tricky lines. He loves to find those opportunities to make good passes. And some of that was good driving. Obviously, a lot of it was good fortune. Um, he was in the right place at the right time. Both of them had good starts. Um, Norris jumping up in front of Hamilton right off the bat there was a very, very good start for Norris. And, and obviously, Norris has had kind of a quiet year, but he's consistently showing us why he's still one of the best drivers out there. And and for McLaren, as I say, maximize your points. They get you know, both the cars up there in the top five. It's fantastic. Huge points for them, both double-digit points. And, and and just good feelings as they go into these last four races with Ricardo as one of their drivers. And, 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 and again, as I say, they do have the upper hand now in this opportunity to continue to take it to Alpine. And if they can win fourth place, I think for them, that's, that's their championship. That's what their goal with the beginning of the year was. Um, they've put themselves in a position to do that. And as a McLaren fan, I think you should be very proud of them for, for getting this far. And now they've got a chance to, to sort of close it out and have a great finish to the season. So I was very impressed. I thought that was some of the best part of this part of the part of this race, honestly, that they got there. Well, it's also because that's the, that is kind of as an F1 fan, that constructors championship for fourth place is kind of all that's left, right? That's kind of what we're, we're watching now. It's going to be the closest race to the finish because it's not going to be like Red Bull sewn it up. Ferrari seems like they're going to beat Mercedes, but it's, there's only four point difference between McLaren and Alpine Alpine. So it's like, that's kind of what you're watching every weekend. Now, at least I am. It's the, it's like, okay, where are these two guys finishing? on each uh in each team because that'll be what it is. like that's going to be what it is it's what we're now watching as fans it's also pretty uh we don't give a lot of love to uh mr lance Stroll, but he also like this was probably one of his better races in terms of where he finished on the grid and both i'll those. tell you i'll Stroll tell you this, if you're like not, the whole aston martin team yeah, if you're not there if you're not a fan of formula one like if you're new to the sport or or anything like that one of the truest most straightforward things i can guarantee you is if it is wet if it is wet and there's rain coming down lance stroll will have a better race than when he's on dry land he's just one of those guys who happens to just be comfortable he's just comfortable driving in adverse conditions some guys really aren't we saw that right there were some guys that were really out there i mean i don't know if if alex albon was supposed to be in a car or should have been in the car you know we talked yesterday on hat trick about like there was no reason to a should have been playing on thursday night football I mean, Albon, it was great. It was a couple weeks off, but like he didn't look comfortable. And obviously that was the other thing we haven't talked about. And I, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Like, have you ever seen 
uh athletes at the end of an event all collectively be like holy fuck that was hard because that was the hottest most humid race of the year and like it's long look we didn't run the full race because as as tyler pointed out we we ended up on the clock but they still ran like three quarters of that race in like punishing conditions those cars are hot on normal days but this was like humid tropical you know summer heat in in singapore and uh you i don't know if you guys saw the video at the end of the race like the, the, the most of the drivers were sort of just like sitting there they all looked like they were just exhausted i don't know what the weights were i'm sure most of them were down several pounds in, in water weight three to five three to five kilos like that's a massive amount of water loss yeah, yeah, yeah. uh to, to 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 be hit with and 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 as and, and as tyler also said like this track is hard under normal conditions it's a nice yeah. night race there's lots of vis- different visuals but like now add the rain add the water add the focus necessary so you're exhausted physically i think in the cool down room uh the three of them were kind of joking and paris was just literally pouring the water bottle on his head and leclerc was like yeah right by the end there like i just thought i was breaking down and he didn't mean his car he meant him yeah, uh, and i think the, the other really funny video if you want to go check it out is norris uh, at one point he's out there and some of his mechanics literally take one of those like water jugs from like a water cooler and they literally just like pour it over him and he's just standing there getting some sweet relief from the heat but it, that's a punishing race man and i, I gotta say it, we haven't seen it in a few years i love it i think that was one of the best races to watch it visually oh, it's just it's so cool, to watch the race. cool. Yeah. i think it's cool you don't uh, think so tyler no i thought i thought that it was there was a lot of yellow flags which Again, a lot of events happened, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was very thrilling. Okay, but without the, without the yellow flags, flags, did you enjoy watching a race at night with all of sure. the night races are great? I think that's what you mean. Night, night races are great and it's yeah. visually stunning, but what was on what product on the track made it? Well, we have 24 races next year, right? And like some of those races are going to be like high quality, everybody stays on the track, it's all about you know, whoever has the fastest car. And then there's races where you add a whole bunch of other sort of variables. And I do think it's entertaining. I think it's fun. I knew going in that we were going to get a lot of yellow flags and I was still excited by it. I don't know. I I thought those yellow flags weren't racing. Like it wasn't a racing excited. Wasn't an exciting racing yellow flag where two guys are going into it and one guy. It was literally everyone was either a car breaking down and he had sure. to pull over. The, the incident themselves just went into the corner too fast sure. and went down. Like there was never everyone was just by themselves the entire time those yellow flags happened, Maybe, and then it yeah. didn't lead to any exciting starts. It didn't lead to any pit strategies. Like I don't understand why after you had like the seventh yellow flag or the third or fourth yellow flag, why anyone would pit under green mm-hmm. in this race. I didn't understand that. Because as soon as you had like the fourth one, two yeah. laps later, you, but you have, but you can, you've had four already. You've got to know there's going to be another. I don't know. I don't know if you know. 29 I, I don't so. know. There was 18 more. There was 18 but that, more. But that, it's like, That's, you know, like in a hockey game, you don't know thing. there's going to be a hundred penalties in a game. You, you you can assume that, you know, a ref maybe is calling certain kinds of calls. I don't think it costs with- anybody. Like I don't think, yeah, hitting under the green eventually cost anybody, but I'd have to go back and look. But I just don't understand after that yellow white anyone would do it again because the track was not drying up. They say it was, but only certain parts of it were. There was still that sector three, like I said, that if you went off or you tried to pass somebody, you're you're getting wet and like. I don't know. See, for me, like, I think that's exciting. I think that when you have drivers who not only have to compete with each other, but have to con- compete with the conditions, have to fight through the physical toll, the, the uh, like psychological or the, the focus toll or however you want to put it, like to be able to compete through that race. Like, 
I don't know. I think that that makes it exciting. I think that that's an element to it. Uh, do I, I want every race they... to be like that? No, I yeah, don't. I don't want I every NFL game to be in the snow, but sometimes it's pretty sweet. Exactly. To see. The game I don't looks think like they shit, competed but... with each other. I don't think they competed with each other. The first thing you said was, I like when they have to compete against each other and they compete against the elements. I don't think they had to compete against each other. No, I don't think that's true. I think they did. It was a survival. This was a race to the end, literally a time down race to the end. I don't know. But if there were still any, some good head-to-head no battles. Dog I thought so. I thought it so. It was, uh, but every so. time someone tried to pass Verstappen and Lewis, they They'd make they had to sure. bail because they had they to. weren't the only ones making overtakes. I mean, we saw, as I say, Ricardo made a couple of good ones. Go back and look at the one he made on, uh, and it was early. To no. be fair, oh, you know who else? Hey, we didn't hey, talk hey about I know some people watching Ricardo. I love there was some fun there. Look, we're not okay, going to see it again. I have yeah, to break it to you. We're no. about to talk about it, bro. It looks like it's going to rain in Japan. It's monsoon season, baby. I know. All right, that's that's all we got. We're not talking about Singapore anymore. That was a. I had a good time with that. Uh, <laughs> we'll leave it there. Hello, football fans and fans of the Ordinary Podcast Network. My name is Tyler Walzak. I am here with Puya Ricey, and we are starting a podcast called Running Down the Clock. Each week, we're going to bring to you a little bit of football talk, player news, controversies, headlines, all the big plays, and then football action that you can handle. Every Thursday for the rest of the season, we look forward to you listening to us on the Ordinary Podcast Network. Okay, it was announced. That Red Bull and Aston Martin have exceeded the spending cap. Jordan's already shaking his head. I might have already gotten this wrong. But this carries some serious implications for, I think, this year's championship. Uh, Certainly this year's championship. It probably also has some implications about last year's championship. How severe are these penalties? Are there penalties? Where does this put Red Bull? Where does this put Aston Martin? What the fuck is going on? All right. So let's simplify it. Um, There is a salary cap we'll call it like a, a spending cap which is like in other sports this year correct last season last season technically it was meant to be introduced in 2020 but because of covid and the way that the season was postponed they also postponed the implementation of that uh, as well as these new regulations which were technically supposed to come in in 2021 and did not as well so everything kind of got shuffled forward but the spending cap was introduced last year uh, I believe it is somewhere around 100 and last year it was $142 million was the number the teams had to for basically they had to, they had the entire season, all of their expenditures, all of their spending had to stay underneath that with a small exception for driver salaries. We won't get into the nuances of that because there's a whole bunch of sort of moving scales. The point is the, 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 the entire grid from the best team to the lowest team is meant to only be able to spend the same amount of money. Obviously, like in other sports, when they've introduced salary caps, the whole point is to try to create parity. Uh, At the end of every season, teams have to provide all of their financials to the FIA for scrutiny. uh, And then there is an audit conducted to ensure that teams have been honest in their reporting. Um, That process began in March of last year for the previous season. So 2021, that finished obviously with the race we have all talked about many, many times and the championship going to Max Verstappen as a driver and the championship going to Mercedes for the constructors had to present their financials. And it has come to light that there is at least two teams that are under investigation, let's call it, um, for potential violations of the salary or of the spending cap. 
it was reported that that is Red Bull and Aston Martin. I think that's pretty good reporting. I don't think these guys are going to get a lot of this wrong. These guys, the reporters who are doing this work are pretty knowledgeable, but obviously it became a very controversial subject uh, during this race weekend. I'm sure if anyone watched the pre-race um, coverage, both Toto from Mercedes and Christian Horner had very differing and very aggressive opinions about this whole situation. And it felt very reminiscent of last year, all Obviously. of a sudden. Yeah. The key piece of this is this, there are two types of violations. If you have spent over the cap, but under 5% over the cap, there is a certain set of penalties. If you have spent above 5% and, and, and then into whatever, however much over that you spend, there are more severe penalties. So it's like a luxury tax. A little bit like that. It's, it's, it is hard to kind of compare to different sports, but that's a good analogy. You get penalized based on how much over you have gone. Um, if they've gone only 5% over, we're looking probably at a fine, potentially some kind of punishment where like they might lose some of their allotted, um, wind tunnel time or some of their development resources into the next season. That would be one of the kind of punishments we could see. It is also possible that we could see something along the lines of losing some of their points in one or the other championships, depending on where they finished, which could of course also affect their financials. The challenge with this is, I think these rules were written expecting that the results of these audits would occur sooner. We're almost at the end of the season following the one that's being audited, which is obviously incredibly messy. So if you've gone over five, this is where it gets interesting. And this is where I think there's a lot of, this is why the pressure has been ratcheted up, especially on Red Bull. The punishments become much more severe. They could lose um, race wins, they could lose championship qualification, meaning they could be stripped of or not be qual. Like the, the challenge again at the language is there's nothing that says stripping. What there says is you would be disqualified from the championship you're in. That's the hard part here. We can't, we're not auditing them in real time. So they, they're not going to, because there's no precedent for this. And also go, look at any other sport, the Houston Astros specifically, they're not taking a championship away from anyone from last year. They're just not doing that. But moving forward, what is the penalty? How do you, how do you make sure that there is enough of a penalty that nobody else is doing this? Because otherwise it's, a stu- it's, an, it's an ineffective rule, right? Anyway, that's kind of the, that, I laid it out as best I can. I, I, we can get into how we feel about it, but that's kind of where no, we I are think we're right now. It there. Hey, Tyler. <laughs> Take it away. Take it away. This is a perfect, this is a perfect scenario to rectify the disaster that was Abu Dhabi last year to by changing a fucking rule that shouldn't have been changed to take away Lewis Hamilton's championship. Now let's use this rule that is also a little bit ridiculous and take away Max Verstappen. It is the perfect way to balance out the universe. It's the only thing that should happen. Obviously, if they did go over the 5%, I want this. I want the title gone. Okay. So it's the perfect way to get we, back. We don't often disagree on how this part of we. I think Tyler and I have been in pretty lockstep about how disgraceful the end of last season was, but I am going to play the contrarian oh. for a second, and I want to tell don't you do why. It. No, oh, just, just no. hear me out. Here's the issue. Here's the issue, and there's two parts to this. One, as I said before, I think there's very little precedent anywhere in sport, and I'd love for someone to so correct ha- me on this. Precedent has to start somewhere. Of course. True. We've talked about that with all of these different things that you have a hard time with, with consistency. I agree. What I'm trying to point out is this. What I'm trying to point out is if you go to the language, 
and this is the problem with their language perhaps, but their language states that it would be removal from the current, like the championship they're currently in. Now, maybe that means if they believe they've gone over, like let's say they've gone over like 25% or something egregious, right? They could say, well, we're going to punish you moving forward. You are no longer eligible to win these championships you're currently in um, because the money that you may have spent that 25% over could also have been the money that they got the head start on this year's card. But here's the thing I'm going to say. I don't believe they're going to take away last year's championship. I think that's done and dusted. And I really don't believe the FIA has the testicle testicular fortitude to go back and deal with that. I don't think they want to get into another one of those media circuses, but I will say this. If there, if Red Bull had won the Constructors' Championship, I think they'd have been stripped of that. Because this is really a punishment for the team. It's not a punishment for the driver. It's not a punishment for the driver. The driver has nothing to do with the with the finances of the team. It How do you know he's not sitting there and go, just do it, just do it? No, Maybe he way. is, but then that's the team is run no very poorly. Way. No, that's Horner all the way. Fly that's to Austria. Austria. That's what I'm saying. Go to the Red Bull. Also, look at the two the teams in question. Out of the trophy case. <laughs> Drive, wave it in their London. face a little. But that's the problem. Give it Tyler. back to Mercedes. Give it back to Lewis Hamilton. And here's that's the other the thing problem. that I will agree with you on: they should. This shouldn't be an end of year when you give your books in. It should be a weekly. Every time you, every every race they have, what did you spend to get to this point compared to the last week? Because then every everybody's books would be at the same point, yep. and then everyone can go, "Hey, you're a little here, so yeah. you're not going to have much money." And also, you could tell the fans how much money everybody has left. You could actually make it worth because it happens in every other sport. It's like, Hey, yeah. these people are at this. So they only have 3 million left. They can't sign this guy. They can't do that. So they could do that with this sport. If you just, every race you do the books, give the books into the FIA, but I don't, to me, it would not be satisfying if they say, Hey, Red Bull, you are caught cheating. You, you were disqualified from this year because Red Bull deserves it this year. And they have not gone over this year. They we don't know that. Deserve it we year, don't but. know that Tyler. They That's did the other not problem. Deserve it last year. We don't know that they haven't also gone over this year. That's the really messy sure, part about this whole thing. But then you take it away from them next time. Then Toto that's Wolf solving. said something. Toto Wolf, and I mean, I'm biased. I'm a Mercedes fan. But Toto Wolf said something in his press conference that I thought was very telling, which is that he pointed out the the measures that they had to take to get themselves down to where the cap, like to where the cap was last year were drastic. He, he estimated they laid off close to hundred people and they, wow. and, and, and his suggestion is if you've gone over like by a little bit, it's going to be really hard to have pulled that back. And he's like, if they went over last year, I would expect they've gone over this year. I would expect that they currently don't have a system on a plan to have fixed it. And I'm, I would, I wouldn't be surprised with that. Also look at the two teams we're talking about. It's Red Bull and it's, Aston Martin, two teams we know are run by people who are very comfortable working right to and past the edge. I mean, we're talking about Aston Martin, who three years ago was racing point and was accused of basically copying a championship car in the pink Mercedes. This is these, these, these kind of things seem to follow these people. And as I think Braden's right, I think this is Chris, this has Christian Horner written all over it. Who has been the one person who has been whining and complaining all year about interest rates and uh, inflation and we should be adjusting the cap based on current economic situations. That sounds a hell of a lot like a guilty person who is trying to find any possible loophole necessary to solve his problem. And so I think why are we rewarding him? I'm not saying we should be rewarding him. I'm not saying that I'm just pointing he's out. Being that rewarded. He was rewarded with the championship. He was he, rewarded okay. with last year's championship. Didn't have that Take it away from him. Point, right? I don't think that's true. still I, in this audit. I mean, but they used all that money because they were so desperate to be 
beat Mercedes. I don't think you're so wrong. So desperate look, that we're going to hey, cheat. Hey, I'll be the first person. I will be the first person applauding if they have, uh, like, if that is how drastic they move and they make that decision, I would be the first person cheering for it because I, as much and as anyone else, believes it between... was a travesty. But I also think there's a difference between the Drivers' Championship and the Constructors, and it's one of the things that makes F1 so Guilty unique. by association. Guilty by association. Maybe. And maybe you're right. And, and then and, the difference between I just don't think Red they'll do Bull it. What I want is an Astro situation. In in MLB, it was not illegal to bang a trash can. That's the difference. It's immoral and it's not good for the sport, but there's nothing in the rules that says you can't bang a trash can when a fastball is coming. Is Barry Bonds That's why still they the couldn't take it away. The, regular season the same thing with Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. It was not illegal to do those drugs okay. specifically okay. written in the rules. Okay. They had a salary cap and they disobeyed it and they should have everything right. stripped from them. So, from them, uh, so every we, bolt okay. in the building. So, okay. <laughs> so we, we've heard, and I think Tyler, I think Ridiculous. I have a feeling of how I feel like you think this should go. Um, what happens to Aston Martin in this situation? The implications are not as high. Does it matter now? Or oh yeah, sure it matters because it's be money involved. Severe... It's all money. There'll be they, whatever the whatever the punishment is to Red Bull, they'll be in kind to Aston Martin. Oh, they'll probably to pull away from no, Aston but there Martin. is their position last year, right? And the and and the cascading effect of that is Which... wherever Aston Martin finished, they lose that. They're disqualified to the bottom of the table, and everyone else gets to step up and and their prize money would increase. So there is a factor to that. Now, do I get do I think this is going to happen? No, I really think there is a lot of bluster. I think that they are going to avoid controversy at all costs because I think after last year, Formula One is so risk averse. Uh, but we'll we'll see. And and I'm look, I was the one who first flagged the story and was like, holy shit, this could be crazy. And I believe it still could be. From the very least, this is going to be some great drama. And I'm gonna I, I want to put one more little thing on this because it became a great you know, tit for tat with, with Christian Horner and Toto, which we haven't had a lot of this year. We had a lot of last year, two guys who clearly like great foils, great, you know, good and bad characters, depending where you come down on how everything played out. Toto Wolf had announced earlier in the year that one of Mercedes cost cutting measures was going to be that many of their team, uh, their high ranking uh, team officials were not going to travel to every race to cut costs. The race he had formally said he was not going to attend was Japan he has come out and said that now I think I'll come to Japan and I might not go to Austin because if this news breaks Wednesday, you know he wants to be on camera and you know he wants to be pleading the case of Mercedes for this. And yeah. it could be another media circus and it could be a lot of fun. That's the thing for me. I, I honestly, with this whole thing, it's it Netflix just, written all over I, I want, well, that, but I also just like, let it burn. I love the anarchy of it. I love watching Christian Horner squirm. I love watching these guys who are so like like it's all bravado and then they have to do all of these like linguistic acrobatics to try to talk people into thinking they're like i've never had more enjoyment than watching christian horner have to talk about this all weekend as opposed to the chance that max had to win and the fact that look max literally only has to win this next race in japan that's the other thing we'll talk about japan in a second but all he has to do is win and even if charles finishes second as long as Max wins and gets the fastest point, he's on. He, he mathematically he wins. That's where we're at. He just has to have the fastest point and win the race. It's all in his own control. Is I guess my point. Um, but look, if this is if this breaks Wednesday, talk about raining on a parade. Take away the championship. <laughs> so much rain and 
Okay, uh, well, I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, either way, I want to get Tyler's and Jordan's reaction. Because the worst thing for uh, fans so... is if nothing happens. Like, Jordan, wouldn't you be mad if they just sure. say, hey, yeah, yeah they cheated and sure. there's, there's nothing that, we can do? That something will happen. happen. Something, something will happen. happen. There will, I just think fine? You get fined? Probably. Nobody cares if well, you get fined. Nobody like cares said, if a billionaire Tyler, gets fined. Just like you said, they are creating precedent now. That's right. So the pres- they don't that- stick to the precedents, the- though. Well, they're going to have to. They're this going is precedent to have setting. to. They, this is precedent they didn't setting. do it but- last weekend. They didn't do it yesterday. They didn't stick to the precedent they've set before in other early races. This is the second year we've had a salary cap. Somebody has to keep the FIA in check. And I- that should be a, a you, union man. for the I drivers. You. I vote you. That's why I'm here. <laughs> All right, look. Can I, can, I, can I just pivot us for a second about this? Uh, it is this related, but... Uh, if we if this comes out Wednesday and there's some like is this is this like a high enough bar for like an emergency podcast? Well, it's gonna have to be. Not if, gonna have to not if something. And it's they strip the, the title. Is, it a, is is there an emergency podcast? If they strip the title That's on Thursday, celebration. Just to talk about just a celebration. We'll pop celebration. Yeah, we're popping champagne with our Mercedes hats on. Pull out some <laughs> right. Lewis Hamilton. All right, uh, all right. Memorabilia. Okay, there's okay, gonna okay. be a race next week too, guys. There is. It's going to be in Japan. But before we talk about that, we've got five races left. Uh, it was announced Williams will not be bringing back Sir Latifi. Oh, um, sad. It is sad. Who called that? The guy, he doesn't drive. He doesn't finish. <laughs> he races. doesn't drive. End it there. That's the sentence. He doesn't drive Period. cars very well. So, unfortunately, I love that he's a Canadian representing on the F1 grid, but he does not belong there. And, and his, We deserve better. Canada deserves they, better. They deserve they deserve better. Anyway, where are we sitting in the driver market right now? We know Ricardo's not going to be on the grid. Oh, yeah. Actually, we there is Latifi's some news there. So we, we don't know that, though, do we? Well, well we as of they, right now. Yeah, we know that they're not going to be where they were. We do know that. We also know this. Uh, the FIA announced this week they will not be giving Colton Herter a super license. They And, oh, and oh, I think that they, like Did he not I, pass his test or... Yeah, he needed no, eight points. He needed points, oh. and they're not. And here's the only thing I think that I do think there should be a conversation around. Like Tyler, I think it was you who said a couple weeks ago. Like, if there was ever an like a, a moment for like an exemption, this would be it because it's like Formula One has this once in a generation opportunity to strike while the iron is hot in America. You have a driver who's clearly ready to jump into Formula One, a team who wants him, and you're not going to take them just the opportunity to do that. How many times have we seen teams bend over backwards to make signings strictly from business perspectives? Nikita Mazepin because of the money. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda because of the Japanese market. Uh, yeah, yeah, Lance Stroll is a great example too. Frankly, even Latifi was because there was money streaming in there. Um, and 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 Zhao too. I mean, that's that's a huge part of that is marketing Perez, in China. Sergio Perez. But yep. um, it, it turns out that they don't value IndyCar as much as I think they probably should considering it is the highest level of open wheel racing in North America. And instead they're valuing their own, their, and I get that there, it's their own series. They're trying to ensure that there's some, you know, reverence given to formula two and formula three, regardless, he's not there. So it changes some things. Now it sounds like Alpine has several drivers that they're still looking at. Obviously they want Gasly. And I think that there's still a very good chance that that happens because I think once that bridge of being like, Oh yeah, we'd be okay with him leaving was crossed. It's very hard to go back on for, for Red Bull. And I think alpha Tori now is, is also very interested in Nick DeVries 
uh, and in a few other of the young guys. So obviously we are not close to really knowing what next year's grid is going to look like, but we are a little closer to knowing at least a couple names that are out. We do also know, and I think I said this uh, either last week or a week before, one of the, a, a familiar face has come back into the picture and it sounds now like it's down to him and one other driver for the other mm-hmm. Haas seat. And that's Mick Schumacher and Nico Hulkenberg. Uh, and obviously Hulkenberg previously driving for Renault. He's been a reserve driver. I think got into a couple of races last year uh, due to COVID. Um, but he has sort of become the second name, uh, in the picture, um, along with Mick for the Haas seat. So, uh, and wait, no Magnuson, Magnuson's yeah. seat is secured. I believe they've already resigned him. He will drive. Oh, so it's between sure? Schumacher and yeah, no, he Are will be sure one of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 okay. I, so it'll be between check my work, and but, Yeah. I believe Kevin Magnuson has been resigned for next year already. We do the double check. In the meantime, I think like if you had a choice, yeah, would you go with the veteran actually, of yeah. Hulkenberg? Or? You, yeah, you'd, yeah, you'd want well, Magnuson. Magnuson's also outperformed Schumacher this yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you want to try to keep Schumacher on the grid. Uh, he's, he's still performing. Yeah. And it's a Haas. It's Just a Haas. his name. His name yeah. alone. Kevin yeah. Magnuson will be driving for Haas in 2023. He signed a new. Yeah, okay. So he is the guaranteed driver. The other seat is obviously still open, whether it's Mick's job or it is uh, Hulkenberg's job at this point, I guess is up in the air. Uh, it looks like Nick DeVries will definitely have a seat somewhere. I think <laughs> he proved himself last week in the Williams. I think there's going to be a team somewhere that finds a space for him. Well, uh, it's now, a question of where, whether it's Williams he, or it's or it's somewhere bigger. Alfa because if he doesn't go to Al- that Alfa yeah, right. the only Ricardo. reason they're going to let Gasly go to Alpine as if they get DeVries. Yeah, it sounds like Gasly out of that contract. It does sound like there's one or two drivers that Alpha Tori is looking at. So DeVries is one of them. And I think there's somebody else in their system currently that they're all still considering. But as I say, like if you think like two months ago when, when Gasly resigned, it was like, oh, he's there. He's not going anywhere. And then all of a sudden, this Colton Herter thing kind of like blew the doors open. And as far as I'm concerned, he's already out the door. Like I think they, they've accepted he's leaving. Well, I don't think he just... wanted to be there. I don't think exactly. That's what I mean. I, I think yeah. he'd rather so this was a be chance for him to go. So, yeah. 100%. But and they said, all right, well, we like this Herta kid. So if he comes over, that fills the spot for Gasly. And yeah. they didn't get Herta. So I think yeah. I thought uh, from yeah. rumors that if it's not Nick DeVries, it's Gasly. Yeah. And I think, and that still could happen. I think that the thing where it was like, well, it's Colton Herter or nothing was very much bluster and very much like trying to put pressure on the FIA to get, get the super license. That didn't happen. So I think that now they're kind of backtracking, but Obviously, we don't know. Uh, uh, we we don't said know. at the beginning of this conversation that Ricardo, we don't know, is not going to be on the grid. But that doesn't sound like that name's coming up at all in any There's of these no conversations. Well, he is, on, he is on the Alpine list. He's on a short list for Alpine. As he should go into broadcasting. He would be an incredible face. Oh, for... He should go drive IndyCar is what he should Well, be. sure, he could continue to drive. But look at the, <laughs> look at the imp- I feel like he should be a DJ at a karaoke club. Yeah, for <laughs> F1. I'm telling you sure. guys, this, this, look how, look how successful some of these other markets are and the NBA bringing in, you know, veteran uh, guys onto their broadcast. It, it improves the the fan base and I think it would be well, really You know what? Thing. He could take Hulkenberg's spot. Sure, Hulkenberg why not? Broadcasts. If Hulkenberg gets a seat, then bring in Ricardo to do it. Yeah, sure. I'm not opposed um, to that. Let's can, can, we p- can we pivot to Japan and, and I have a good segue for it because we were just talking about Latifi. It actually just came out today. Let's Latifi uh, 
on top of uh, not finishing the race, will now receive a grid penalty for causing it in a collision what? with Zhao. But oh, because boy. he was out of the race, there was no way to be punished for it for the actual race. So he was punished after the fact. So he will replace, he'll receive a five place grid penalty. It was pretty safe to say Latifi will be starting the back of the grid. He can't start 25th. Yeah, what the hell? 100%. Jumping to Japan. Safe. Yeah, well, uh, we got the Japan Japanese Honda, the Honda Japanese Grand Prix. Yeah, big race. Yeah, looks big, like 53 big race. laps. It looks. Good. Did we have this race last year? No, I don't think I've seen no, this. No, this race like Singapore is a following. return. It hasn't been here since COVID. Um, it is a classic in many ways. It's one of those circuits that's changed a lot over the history. But of course, like Japan and motorsports have become pretty synonymous over the over the last you know, half century, like it, racing is really, really big in Japan. And Suzuka has been one of those tracks that, um, uh, a lot of, you know, sort of iconic big moments has, have occurred Championships. at and, exactly. Cause it's been later in the year. And, and it, it has, again, as I said, there is a much better chance, frankly, of it happening this week than there was last week, because he only has to win and get the fastest, uh, lap, um, to win it. Obviously I think Red Bull would love it if he could win here because they have a great yeah. professional partnership he with Honda. He ain't getting that fastest lap. He's not getting um, the fastest lap. Cause someone's someone going to slap on tires and go take that. Yeah. But then all he needs those. is then Leclerc to not be in second and he still wins. Um, <laughs> so awesome. that's the math, right? Uh, it's definitely in his hands, I guess is the point. The, the, the other part of it is, as I said, uh, Honda big relationship with Red Bull. Honda, just a big relationship in general with Formula One. The only reason Honda is leaving Formula One is because as a company, they're pivoting full-time to like electric vehicles and they don't have a reason to continue to build um, big V8 engines. But huge history, huge tradition. This is going to be an important race for Yuki Tsunoda. It will be his first race in Formula One in Japan. So I know it will mean a lot to him as I'm sure when we get to China next year, it'll mean a lot to Zhao. Like don't underestimate how important it is for these drivers to race where they grew up. Um, Of course, especially these guys here where they had like one race in their country uh, as kids. And and that was in many ways, I'm sure what one of the things that kind of drew them to some of these you know, to following motorsports in, in general. So it'll be special for a lot of reasons. And it, it is actually a fun track. I went back and looked at some highlights from previous races there and uh, it, it has some interesting challenges to it. And I, I don't know, I'm excited for it. As I said, though, it could be a wet one. The drivers love this track. The drivers absolutely love this track. It is a favorite uh, among most of the people on the grid. It's only got one DRS detection mm. uh, or sorry, one DRS zone. And it, the detection zone for it is three turns before it actually happens, which is, I think is rare um, because there's so much that can happen within those three turns to get you behind that one second. But it just depends on where you have the detection zone within that one second to be able to enable DRS on that straight. And it's a straight, um, the starting grid straight, like the starting line straight away. Um, so it's also weird because there is another sector between two and three, that's fairly long, which I feel like they could add a DRS zone too. But it's got the, this track has that cool little S mm-hmm. um, turn area. There's like one, two, three, four, five, six turns that are just, just like a long winding road. Um, it's very cool. It's very, very cool. similar, yeah. actually, very similar uh, to the chicane at Austin, which we're going to be at in, a, in the next race this time, where you have like high speed chicane. Right. They take mm-hmm. a lot of speed through those those banked corners. There's not a there's there's no real braking, you know, the way you would if you were hitting into a traditional corner. So there's a lot of space there to build up some speed going into seven. And uh yeah, as as Tyler said, only the one zone, but like um 
you come out of sector two and into sector one all the way back to the finish you've got the little sort of um kink turn at 16 but this is a fast track i think the lap record i don't something think like that's that. what they call it a fast track i don't think it's a kink turn i think it's got a better uh, name than no, that i think it's like a little kink in like in a hose uh the point being um, the track record, I believe, belongs to Lewis Hamilton, and I think it's in like the 130. So compared right. to where we just were, we're like the, the lap record is like just under two because <laughs> it's like a minute 51, I think, is the, the fastest we were seeing guys do it in quality. Uh, this is much faster um, and a much, much more. Uh, uh, well, and also we have we probably will finish this race. It's 53 laps, but it, it's a much shorter and much faster circuit. So hopefully even with some rain, we get a full race in here. That would be my goal or hope. That'd be nice. Maybe yeah. start on wets. Maybe start on wets because you there have you them. Go. They're in the. They're in your element. Like they're in your arsenal. Start on wets. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Tyler says start on wets, and I say don't forget that if you're watching in North America, this race is at 11 p.m. Yeah, that's the great thing. Time. So this race is 11 p.m. on Saturday night. Saturday yeah. night. Yeah. Oh, so qualifying is, is Friday night in the world. <laughs> Qualifying will be Friday night, midnight, and then the race is 11.30 p.m. Saturday night. It's going to be awesome because you can watch it live. You know, you, you stay up, you, you Today, watch maybe some yeah. college football, you get off work on Friday, you can watch this race live in the evening. It's going to be, it'll be awesome. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm excited too. And next year, next year we get to go to China as well. So we're going to get two of these night races, like, like North American oh, night races boy. because of the time zones. And then I should also point out, I want to tease too far ahead. The next race is Austin. That's prime time, baby. We're in prime yeah. time for three races in a row, which is going to be great. Uh, precedent for taking away a trophy from somebody, Reggie Bush. Um, oh, so the Heisman no, That's an individual. That's, that's an individual. And that was years later, too. But you're right. That's what yeah. this yeah. is. You're right. You're right. Well, is it? Okay. It's an individual award. It's a precedent. Hey, yeah. it's a precedent. A Let's just also remember individual. the NCAA should never be used as a precedent. They have said they've done some very, very bad things. <laughs> the worst. They still haven't given it back to them yet. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you to everybody listening. Um, if you uh, want to like and subscribe to continue to listen to all of these reactions uh, every race weekend, uh, we will hit you up again next week after the Japanese Grand Prix. Uh, we'll catch you later. Pit Stop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue 
which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.